today I have the great anticipation of speaking one of the most controversial passages and subject matters, and at least in all of Christian scripture. And this is something today that we're going to hit on that people struggle with greatly. So I'm just going to dive right in wherever you're joining us. Welcome. So glad that you're here. Happy New Year. Anyone joining us for the first time this year? Some of you are down in Tampa. Some of you in other cities in Florida or the world. Thrilled that you're here. Acts chapter 2, if you're ready, say let's do it. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Now this is an odd phenomenon for many people. This is where people are speaking a language that they've never learned before. And they're speaking this, as it says right here, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all of these that are speaking Galileans? And how is it we hear each one of them in his own language? Parthians and Medes. And he goes on to say all of these. But where I want you to go is verse 11. It says, we hearing them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. In other words, they're praising God. And they were all amazed and perplexed to one another. And they said, what does this mean? Let's pray. God help in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit, prophecies, and speaking in tongues. Let's go ahead and be as controversial as we can for a moment here. If you're new to Christianity, this is one of the most troubling or unsettling of all the passages that you find in Scripture. This is one of the passages where people have the most amounts of disagreement. When I was a child, my mother became a Christian. When I was, I'm trying to think, she when I was in late elementary school, and she met Jesus at a Baptist church that did not practice uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, if you want to say that. But she soon got exposed to a group of people that would meet, and they had, I'm trying to think of the way to say it. As a kid, I could just tell you it seemed juicy, all right? It was like the worship was just extravagant, and people clapped, and hands got lifted, and and you could sort of feel a little something when you were there. And she started going to this group, and then we ended up at this church, which turned out to be a spirit-filled church. I remember going to this church, and to be sure, it was much more enjoyable to sense and to feel the electricity in the air when people were worshiping. But I very much remember the first day I was in a service where the music got sort of soft, and someone standing in the worship time began to speak what I now know is tongues, that they began to speak in tongues, and it sounded to me like someone saying, yabba dabba do, all right? It sounded to me like someone, say, someone was saying, who stole the keys to my Honda? That's what it sounded like. It sounded like someone saying, untie my bow tie, or putting it all together, you know? And, and I heard this person speaking in tongues, and people all around them were like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. As like a 9, 10, 11-year-old kid, I just started laughing. I mean, I just laughed out loud, like, whoa, what it, 
Is anyone else freaked out? You could tell people around there were kind of like, oh, they were loving them. I'm like, what in the world is happening right now? Like, I'm like, what language do they speak? What country are they from? And why are they doing that in service? And then someone else spoke and they gave the translation. Now, if, you're, if you are looking forward in 1 Corinthians 12, it mentions gifts of the Spirit, one of which is speaking in tongues, another is interpretation of tongues. This other person gave an interpretation, which was for the audience, and people thank God, and they clapped, and all this sort of, and I just remember going home like, whoa, I was, it was sort of odd to me. Well, I became a Christian when I was in college, and I started coming to this church, and, and I remember when I went to grad school, after a little while, I, we, I was with some other guys, and we were sort of comparing notes because all of the manifestations of the Spirit, if you want to say that, were not quite so orderly. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 14 that says, let all things be done decently and in order. And when it comes to things of the Holy Spirit, there is a call in Scripture to be biblical, decent, and in order. It's really a word that means to be um, just pleasant, like it's, it's a good thing, it's goodly. But all, people don't always do it in pleasant ways. And so when I was in grad school, we were comparing notes with some other guys about some of the weird stories of Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled things. One of the guys was sharing how at his church there was a guy that would, he would start to wind up and he would, he kind of, and he stood up in the middle of service and he said that one day he stood up and he said, yeah, thus saith the Lord. And if you've ever been in one of them, it's like in King James, right? Thus saith the Lord, as Moses led the animals into the ark, so the Lord shall lead you into your protection. Then he said, yeah, and he ran out the back door. Did anybody catch the problem? He said about two minutes later, the man ran back, came to the front and said, thus saith the Lord, I was mistaken. It was not Moses. It was Noah that led the animals into the ark. Yo! And then he just ran out again. <laughs> there can be weird things. And there's times when spirit-filled people can be, can be strange and, and odd. And I remember being in college, and there were some times when I, I was almost like, Lord, I love God the Father, and I love God the Son, but God the Holy Spirit can feel, could you just stay out of the service, or could you let us control you? I know it says that you gave them utterance, but could you let us... And, and when we come to a passage like this one, we have some of these, these dynamics where this is a passage where there's much controversy, there's much disagreement. And ver down in verse 12, when all these people were amazed and they said to every, each other, what do these things mean? And it really raises some questions. What do these things mean? Do you have to speak in tongues to be a Christian? Do you have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you, is, is that even still available now? There are many Christians that would say, when the Bible was completed, that the Bible is that which is perfect. And in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, when that which is perfect has come, that which is imperfect is going to cease, and tongues and prophecies are, are going to cease. And, and so is, are, have the gifts of the Spirit ceased? Okay, now I'll let you know, and I can get into it another time. It is my opinion that every one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is absolutely viable and absolutely biblical, and I base my position on that on Scripture, not just on experiences. But there's a lot of disagreement that comes because of this, so today we're going to jump into this and talk about the Spirit and prophecies and tongues and what it might mean for us.
In verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. It's interesting that this is the day of Pentecost when the Spirit is being poured out. Scholars tell us this is really the birth of the church, of the Christian church. That when God's Spirit was poured out, that's when the church was birthed. It was actually thousands of years earlier on that same day when the Spirit of God gave the law of God to Moses. Moses was up on a mountain. He received the law. And they would say, rabbis would say, that really that was when the nation of Israel was birthed on the day of Pentecost where God gave them a law. And the problem was God gave them a law that was outside of them, external to them. And with that being the case, God's people were never really able to go and obey this. But the prophets, like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, gave the word that there would come a day, one day, when God said, I will put a new spirit inside of you. I will write my laws, not on tablets on the outside, but I'm going to write them on the inside of your very hearts. And it is on this day, on the day of Pentecost, that the church had God's laws written on our hearts and when God's spirit was poured out. And so when we come to verse 4, it says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak. Now, before I get to the tongues part, I just want to stop on the speak part. Everyone say speak. Because the question is, what is going on, and how do you know when you're actually filled with the Holy Spirit? And I'm about to make a case for you that I think we've missed the forest for the trees many, many times. And the key word here is speak. They began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they spoke in tongues, it says right here in this chapter. Now, what I want to bring forth to you is there is a principle in Scripture called prophesying. And the word prophesy means to forth, it's to forth tell. It means to speak. It means to speak forth. All right. Now what I want to make a case for you right now is when people come to this passage, Christians, by the way, it's not non-Christians, it's Christians. Tongues does not freak out Lots of people I have met all over the world, including when I was in school, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, when, when I was at a secular university, tongues freaks out Christians that have been Christians for a very long time. Because I tend to watch movies where people like the special effects, and to be very honest with most of you, we have a culture right now that is starving for the spiritual, and when they go to churches, all they find is natural. There is a problem when the best thing you've got is to say, I want you to turn to page 1244 in your Bible, and I believe in the Bible, but what I'm telling you is the same book we're telling people to turn to says that when you take this book seriously, stuff is going to happen. That's what it says. The Bible says it. Now, I'm, I'm giving you this because this is what the Bible says, and I'm begging us today to be more Bible than tradition. And a lot of us need to be willing to give up our traditions to take this book seriously. I'm begging us to do this. They spoke. So, okay, now the reason there's a pattern, there, there's a pattern I want you to get, which is, is, I'm about to lay it out. 
I, I hear people arguing about tongues. I think they've missed the point because I do not believe the point is tongues. I believe the point is prophecy. I believe the point is your mouth. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What, who was hovering over the face of the waters? Spirit of God. The very next verse says, And God said, Let there be light. Watch what happens. The Spirit of God is hovering. The Spirit of God is there. The Spirit of God is moving. And God said, let there be light. Here's the principle. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Words have power. Words do not just reflect reality. Words create reality. Words are not simply thermometers that tell you what your temperature is. Words are thermostats that change the temperature. When God said, let there be light, he wasn't describing what already was. He didn't say, oh, look at the light. He said, let there be light. Words are creative. Words have power, which is why when a little child hears enough times, you are stupid, ugly, or unwanted, that changes the temperature of that child's soul. And when a child hears, you are a blessing, you are precious, you are beautiful, you are made in God's image, you are not a mistake when you're in your mother's womb. God's the one that made you. You've got a calling on your life. God's got a purpose for your life. God is going to use you. You are God's child. That does something in a human because words have power. When the Spirit of God was hovering and God said, let there be light. If you go a little further, you find a place uh, like Numbers. I was looking at Numbers this week. Numbers chapter 11. Moses was the prophet that God used, but then some other people started to prophesy. And some people got jealous for Moses. And so Moses said to them, what, are you jealous for me? Are, are you feeling jealous for me? Are, is it for my sake? Oh, would that all of the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses, in other words, said, he's connecting these two things. When someone has God's spirit come on them, they prophesy. To which he said, man, my dream would be one day, we don't just have one person or two people or just three people that prophesy, but one day all of God's people would have the spirit come upon them and all of them could prophesy. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down for you. You are in the day right now where every single one of you in Tampa, every single one of you in Gainesville, every single one of you in another country besides the United States, every one of you in this room, you can speak forth the prophetic words of God. When the Spirit comes upon you, when the Spirit, a little bit further in 1 Samuel, the interesting passage in Samuel where Saul, who is not even a good man, Saul, who's not even a godly king. Saul, who does not have good integrity. Saul, who does not have good character. He sends messengers to go see some prophets. And when they got near the prophets, the Spirit of God came upon them. And guess what all of these messengers did when the Spirit came on them? They spoke. They prophesied. To which Saul's like, what's going on? Saul ends up going himself. Saul, who's got bad character, bad integrity, no good, all this kind of stuff. And yet when he came, the Spirit of God came upon him. Guess what Saul did when the Spirit came upon him? He prophesied. See, the anointing, the, the, the anointing is different than character. This confuses us when we hear about TV preachers or, or, or ministers that had very terrible character and they were stealing money or they were cheating on their wives or they were doing something. It bothers me that God uses people like that. 
And yet the anointing of the Holy Spirit is different than the character integrity of a man or woman of God, which is why the gifts and callings of God do not get revoked. God puts his spirit, his, I don't like this. I don't like that it's like this. I wish God would look at people and say they got bad character. I'm not using them. But God gives gifts and he never takes them back. Which, by the way, is good news for you and me because has anyone in this room ever not had good character, not had good integrity, or had a sin problem? Aren't you glad God didn't take his spirit away from you and that God was patient with you? But my, I don't miss the point. When the spirit came on Saul, he prophesied. When the spirit came on Moses, he prophesied. When the spirit was moving at the beginning, he prophesied. And then we come to Joel chapter 2, which says, the sign of the end times is going to be this. In the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. There were days when it was only men. He says, it's sons and daughters. It's men and women. There was days when you had to be a certain age. He said, it's going to be old men and young men. There's going to be bond servants and free people. There is coming a day when the greatest of all equity is going to take place. When the greatest of all the equalizing forces is going to be poured out. When God's spirit is going to come upon all flesh that whoever you are, if you want God, he wants you. And when the Spirit comes on people, the question is, how will you know? And the answer is, your sons and daughters will prophesy. So we go to Acts chapter 2. There's 120 people. Let's get super clear here. There are 120 people in the upper room. Guess how many out of 120 had the Holy Spirit come on them and they spoke? 120 out of 120. Now, now, I'm saying this because I keep hearing people say, like, well, everybody doesn't have those gifts. Well, I guarantee you all 120 of these people were not, like, prophet by office or calling, and yet 120 out of 120 prophesied. Now, let me just make the point here, because when they spoke in tongues, yabba dabba do, untie my bow tie, who stole the keys to my Honda, when they did that, and everyone said, what does this mean? Peter stands up and says, oh, you see those tongues? You hear tongues? Those tongues are what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, they will prophesy. Tongues are a subset of prophecy. This is why everyone is, is, I think we're missing the point here when everyone's like stuck on tongues. Here is the principle. In In book of James, it says no human being can tame the tongue. The tongue is an unruly evil. No one can tame this tongue. But while there is no human that can tame the tongue, guess who can tame the tongue? The Spirit of God. Which is why it makes a lot of sense when someone gets filled with the Holy Spirit, under the control of the Holy Spirit, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you will know it on the tongue. Every time in Scripture, and the case I'm trying to make for you is from Genesis at creation to Numbers and to Samuel, from Moses to Joel the prophet to the New Testament, Acts 2, 120 out of 120. Acts chapter 10, the same thing happens. In Acts chapter 10, all, there was a group of them. Every one of them got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke. Acts chapter 19, every one of them got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to know it because you will speak. You will prophesy. You will praise God. You will speak in tongues. You are going to speak 
forth words from God. And here's why it matters. Because when you get filled, you need to know that you're filled. You need to know. You could say, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you get filled. So they went into a prayer meeting. After day one of a prayer meeting, they start having this prayer meeting, and, and there's, you know, Peter and James and Thomas, and, and one of them's like, ooh, I, I, I got a goose bump. I, I, I wonder if that goose bump is the, is, I, wonder if, I wonder if I'm filled. Can I leave now? To which the answer is, do not leave Jerusalem until you're filled. Well, how will you know when you're filled? Because you'll know. Well, how will you know? From the same as they're all the rest of Scripture, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you will speak as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. I'm trying to make the case for you right now that when people get tripped up on simply on tongues, I think we've missed the big principle, which is when you yield yourself to God, he wants your tongue because you were made in his image, and his image is that when he says things like, let there be light, there is light. And we've got a world right now that wants justice, but what we need are people that could say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim justice. He's anointed me to proclaim freedom. He's anointed me to proclaim release for the prisoners. He's anointed me to proclaim healing for the sick. And I want some of you to get filled, and you don't stop seeking until you get filled. They, st they prayed for 10 days, and then they all got filled, and they knew it. And I keep meeting people, and they're like, well, I was listening to a song on the radio, and I heard Jaira. And I got, when I heard Jaira, I was like, oh, man, I, 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 I felt that. I'm like, you feel the same thing when you listen to Adele. I mean, I'm not against you having like a goosebump. I'm just saying the evidence of the Holy Spirit is not a goosebump. In Scripture, you know someone's filled when they speak as the Lord gives utterance by His Spirit. I dare some of you today to not leave this building until you get filled. If you're watching at home or online, that you don't get out of your car. You're like, God, I'm going to seek you until I find you, and I want to speak forth by the Holy Spirit. Here's the whole sermon today, really, in a nutshell. There's this great, there's this great awakening that we need. There's, a, there's a, a great awakening that we are in desperate need of. And, and here's the order. There's a problem. There's injustice. There's unrighteousness. So God's people begin to pray. And as they pray, as they're seeking, that's what happened on the, when they were leading up to the day of Pentecost. When this happens, there's this sense of awe. There's a sense of, of the holiness. This is where people begin to repent. And then when that happens, we find there's this outpouring. And this is what we described like a revival. And what I'm describing today is that when the Holy Spirit comes, it is like someone comes and gets lit. Every time someone has the Holy Spirit come upon them, it is like one of these things happens. You get filled. But when you take your tongue and begin to prophesy, now is where these moves of God began to shift to where we say, wait a minute, I wasn't just supposed to be touched myself. I'm supposed to have something happen in my life that spreads to other places. Let there be light. Let there be healing. Let there be justice. Let there be hope. Let there be joy in Jesus' name. See, the great awakening, it's fueled by prophetic people. Now, now let me go ahead and, and let's, let's just kind of break this down. Why are they speaking in tongues? Because there is a legitimate question. If the principle is prophecy, why are they speaking in tongues? Now, this is where people get very religious and we feel like we're being very biblical because I'll hear people say, well, 
the tongues they spoke in Acts chapter 2 were known languages. And I hear Pentecostals and Charismatics talk about 1 Corinthians 14, prayer tongues. But see, Pastor Mike, these are known languages. And so we read it right here. There's these people from all these other places, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, all these other places. See, they needed tongues to be able to preach the gospel so people could understand. To which my answer would be, go read the Bible again. That's not what happened here. What they spoke in tongues were the mighty works of God. These are, this is a word that describes the splendor and majesty. Praise, these are praises to God. They are, Peter's going to jump up and he is going to preach the gospel, but he's not preaching the gospel in tongues. Peter's about to preach the gospel either in Greek or Aramaic because these are a bunch of pilgrims that have come to Jerusalem for a feast. These are all multilingual people where there was a common language of Greek or Aramaic, and he's likely getting up and speaking one of these languages where all, just like right now, I'm speaking English, okay? I could speak Spanish right now. It's po I could go off in Spanish, but I already know the common language is English. Peter is going to preach the gospel, which is going to talk about Jesus, him crucified, raised from the dead. He's alive forevermore. He's coming back. You need to turn to him if you have not already. He's going to get up and preach the good news of redemption in Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice, he's going to preach a sermon in Greek that everybody understands. The tongues were praise tongues that were used as a sign to get people's attention at least if you're just going to read the Bible the way it's being written. Because I hear people say, well, if you're going to speak in tongues like they did in Acts chapter 2, that means that this, is, this is what missionaries need to bring the gospel to other countries. No, 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 no. I have not heard, I, I think I've maybe heard this many testimonies of missionaries that could not speak a language and they didn't have a translator and so they got the gift of tongues to speak. Tongues typically are praises and, and thanksgivings and, and, they, and they point to God and they do all that. But if you want, when he gave them the message, the gospel that got them saved and redeemed and forgiven, he was actually speaking in the known language, not in the unknown language. Then why did God do tongues at all? I'm telling you my opinion, which is it's a sign. Tongues, they are a sign. I remember I was in a college classroom studying religion at the University of Florida, Latin American religion. We were studying candomblé and umbanda and spirit possessions that would come upon people in these other languages. And the teacher was describing how there are times when these people would open themselves up to many spirits, many spirits, and the spirits would come in them. And when the spirits would come in them, it's very strange. Whatever spirits would come in them, they would speak through them. Does that sound familiar? They said, in fact, the teacher said, there are some Christian people in America that even believe there's a spirit that comes in them and they'll speak. They call it speaking in tongues. Everyone's like, what? They said, Christians believe this. They said, oh, yes, there's Christians that believe this. They said, has anyone ever heard of this? And I said, I have. And everyone looks at me. They said, well, do, do you believe in anything like that? I said, do you know someone that does? I said, I, I do. Everyone's like, what? They said, have you ever seen someone do that? I said, I have. And the teacher said, um, really? I said, in fact, I speak in tongues. <laughs> I kid you not. The teacher said, we're going to take a break right now, class. Go ahead and go get a snack. And dispersed. <laughs> but nobody left the classroom. I was in Little Hall. No one left the classroom at the University of Florida. 
And I had a crowd of people that gathered around me, around my desk, and they're like, are you serious? They're like, could you do it right now? I was like, I, I think I could. They're like, would you? I mean, it was like, I mean, people were like popping the popcorn. And I'll be honest, God showed up in Little Hall in my classroom, and there's a verse in Corinthians that says, tongues are like a sign for unbelievers. Here's my point in this. Um, the Bible says do things decently and in order. Like, there's an order to things. I think a lot of us, though, in the name of decent and in order, we've done nothing. Like, there's a time to kiss. Like, if you're married in here, there's a time to kiss. Like, it's okay to give your wife a, a you know, peck on, on the cheek or something. I don't want you, like, making out while I'm preaching. But if you never make out, there's, I mean, there's a time to do that. What a lot of us have done, because there have been misuses and abuses of Holy Spirit things, there's a lot of Christians in a pharisaical older brother mentality who are very proud of the fact that we do nothing decently and in order. I'm not trying to throw stones. I'm trying to say, church, take it from someone that actually loves people that don't know Jesus yet. They're not weirded out with tongues like a lot of Christians are. Christian's like, oh my gosh, I, I feel so weird when that. I get it. I mean, I remember, I remember I was in college and I brought a friend to church and I was like, oh Lord, I just want him to hear the gospel. Don't, because there was this one lady that would speak in tongues and she would be so weird when she did it. And I'm like, oh God, please. And sure enough, I bring my friend from Sled Hall at the University of Florida and, and she gets up and she's like, ah, ah, she's doing her thing. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm dying. I'm like, I don't know if you've ever had that. Like, oh, no, no, no. And I'm just, I mean, the whole service long, I can barely take it. And we're getting ready to leave, and I'm talking to my friend, and I'm like, so, what did you think? And my friend's like, man, like, <laughs> I mean, he started laughing. I'm like, oh, I'm bracing for it. He said, uh, honestly, I'm like, I felt God. He's like, I've been to church before, and I mean, there was some action there. I mean, I do not know what to say about that, but... What was so interesting is what I thought would turn him off actually made him lean in because God will give signs. I went to a conference in Orlando and I was in this big convention center and it took me 20 minutes to get out of the parking lot. Have you ever been in one of these places? You're like, How, can I just get to the road? I'm just trying to get to a road. But their signage was so bad, I didn't know how to get out of the parking lot. See, here's the catch. I don't look at signs to worship the signs. I look at signs to tell me where to go. We've got a severe problem right now because it seems like we've got a Christian culture, at least in America. By the way, this is not in other countries, but in America, where people are very in touch with the scripture that says it is a perverse generation that seeks after signs and wonders. And that is true. But can I also say it's a pharisaical generation that forbids signs and wonders. When you come in here, I have a message, but we have a God and he adores you. I'm going to pause right now. Would you pray this? Pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, fill me with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Give us words. Give us prophecies. We want to hear your voice. 
Now just listen for a moment. I, I just want you to listen. I just want to see if God would give someone a word. Right here, right now, right there online, wherever you are. Listen, just listen for a minute. For the glory of God, in the name of Jesus, forbidding every other off spirit, we invite you, Lord, to speak to us. Even someone watching this in the future. And just listen. I just feel this very strong sense of of disappointment and and someone just feeling so forgotten, so dismissed by the Lord as if he has dismissed you. And I believe a word for you is that he sees you and he remembers you and you are not forgotten and you are not dismissed. And the blood of Jesus is the evidence that you need. And a word like this is the reminder that you need. That stopping in the middle of a sermon, that I've probably never done this before, that this is a sign that someone needs right now to look at the cross and to look at his blood and to look at his promises. Because you're a son. You're a daughter of God. And any of you that believe, I'd like you just to pray with me right now that any person feeling forgotten and dismissed, even right now, is going to feel the remembrance of the Lord. Would you pray this with me? Say, Heavenly Father, fill us with the knowledge of the goodness of God. Confirm our sonship, that we are sons and daughters of yours. God, make it real right now. Someone else might have a word. Someone else might have a a prophecy. You might not, but someone might. And if you do, perhaps you need to write it down. Maybe there's a word you're supposed to give somebody. I'm just going to pause. I'm going to take a very big chance here. I'm going to take maybe one more. Is there anybody here that I'm just going to take the first person I see your hand go up if you feel like you've got a word that might be from the Lord? You feel like you got a word? Yeah, say it out. And I'll repeat it out. God wants to encourage his church. Things will continue to be disturbed in the earth. His church will be strong enough to go through it without dismay. He wants to encourage you. There's strength in the Lord. There's strength in the spirit despite or in the midst of the turmoil. Don't look for the turmoil to subside. Look for the spirit to strengthen you. To walk straight through it. Amen. Now, now here's the catch. In, in the Bible, when we think of things like prophecies, by the way, here's how I measure prophecies. Number one, does it line up with the scripture, the written word of God? The spirit of God is never going to contradict the word of God. The spirit of God will sometimes contradict your false interpretations of the word, though. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> Let me read you a scripture that's in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3. It says, Uh, The one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. How do you know when someone's speaking a prophecy? 14.3 of 1 Corinthians. They speak upbuilding. You get built up, encouraged, and consoled. That may at some times be foretelling, 
But prophecies are not fundamentally foretelling, they are forthtelling. They bring up building, comfort, or consolation. They, they, they bring a comfort. That's what they do. Which means, moms, I do want you raising your children and speaking words to them, but imagine what would happen if mothers in our church would not just speak to their children, but they prophesied to their children as the Spirit gave them utterance. Imagine if when you go to school tomorrow, some of you go to UF or Santa Fe, and you've, you've got friends that are there, you don't have to announce to someone, thus saith the Lord, I have a prophecy for you. You could just literally hear a word from God, you go up and speak to that person in the name of Jesus, and you give them that word, and God, especially when it's coming from the Holy Spirit, God is going to do something in that. Imagine what would happen when you go to work, when everyone else is negative, or everyone else has whatever they've got going on, and you showed up, oh, that all of God's people were prophets. Could you imagine when we leave here, if all of you understood, the goal was not simply, man, I can't wait to get back next week when Pastor Mike gets a message. Could you imagine if scores of us, dozens, hundreds, thousands of us went out, and all over Florida, Tampa, Gainesville, wherever we go, the Spirit of God moved in our midst, spoke through us, because the Spirit of God doesn't need preachers. He's just looking for witnesses. Robert? And, and say it, and I'll, I'll kind of say it so people online can hear it. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So, lift up Jesus. Lift up Jesus. By the way, I've heard people ask that. Wait, could, could someone prophesy something? Because part, that, part of that's a scripture. Could the Holy Spirit ever have me speak forth something that's actually written in the Bible? And the answer would be, yes. Yes. For God so loved the whole world, including you and me. See, I believe we actually need signs. Let, let, me, let, me pull, let me pull this to a close here because I, I am fascinated by this call t- to be open to the Holy Spirit. And church, I want us to be more open to the Holy Spirit. You'll never read the Bible so faithfully as when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I want us to be open to prophecies. I want you to be open to tongues as well, though, because there is a, there's a sign that's there. Jack Hayford was on a plane. And when he was on this plane, he was sitting next to somebody and and he has like a prayer language that he just always has spoken in. And he felt like God was saying to him, I want you to speak your prayer language tongue to the person next to you. To which he's like, oh my gosh, no, you know. I don't know if, if any of you have had a sensation like that. But he's like, no. And he kept putting it off. The plane's about to land. He finally obeys the Lord. And he turns to the person and he explains, hey, listen, I'm a Christian. I, I get filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever heard of speaking in tongues. But would you be okay if I did that to you? This is something, a language I pray in. I do not know what it means. I feel like I'm supposed to say this. And the guy's like, oh, whatever, go for it. If that'll, if that'll make you happy. So he does. Yabba dabba does it. Let's it out. The guy's eyes get really big next to him. He says, where did you hear that language? He said, I've never heard that language. I just pray in this language. He said, when I was a little kid, for a few years, I was raised on a Native American reservation. You're speaking the dialect of my tribe. And you've spoken about, and he mentioned something, it was something about the great works of God or the greatness of the light or something like that. And I want to get real clear. He did not preach to him the gospel in tongues, but he gave him a sign that pointed 
And because of that, he then shared the gospel with this man that was sitting right there. We need an awakening and a revival so badly. And I'm telling you, friends, when we have the Holy Spirit come upon us, when we get filled, it's like we get lit up. But when we go prophesy and when we speak forth, now it begins to spread to these other places. We're like, okay, wait a minute. There was just a dry, dark place, but now we've got these lights. And can I just say it? Let there be light. Let there be light. I, I'll tell you one more story. I was, I was just praying about this, and we need God. I was reading this, this couple that was just began to pray for things of the Holy Spirit, and they were meeting with another couple, and as they were, they were just eating dinner. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm trying to give you the principle here I want you to pray for the Holy Spirit. And, and really, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, it says, pursue love and earnestly desire the best spiritual gifts, especially that you will prophesy. I just want us to do this. Like, this is the application of today's sermon. I just want you to obey 1 Corinthians 14, 1. This couple was sitting down with another couple, and they were just trying to pursue, just a couple that they did not know very well, but just pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. It's a word that it's, it gets used in some places for lusting, like to desire something very deeply. The same way many of us have lusted after food or lusted after sexual things, the Bible says that drive, that kind of a passion, that's how we are to desire things of the Spirit. So this couple's sitting there, and they just began to pray, and as they did, they just said, we just want to pray that God would give you a word, and and they got this word, and they knew nothing about this couple, but they said, this is so strange. I feel like we're supposed to tell you, your son is dancing with Jesus right now. And the couple just got broken. Because they knew that this couple knew nothing about them. And they said, can we tell you our story? And their story was this prodigal son that had gone astray, and he was like a dancer. They had a son who was like this, this dancer, and, and, and things had gone, uh, gone haywire, and things had gone bad, and they hadn't been as closely connected. And, and it was tormenting their hearts because they did not know if their son knew Jesus, if he, was, if he went to heaven, if he went to hell. They did not know, and, and things didn't, it just ended so abruptly, and they did not know. And this couple that did not know anything about their dancer son hears a word from someone that says, we just feel like we're supposed to say, your son is dancing with Jesus. Does that mean anything to you? And I think a lot of us are trying to go change the world without the power that changes the world. And I want us to get that power. Some of you need to be healed today. Someone that's got a stiff elbow and you've not been able to bend it, in the name of Jesus, today, bend your elbow. Let it stretch out again. In the name of Jesus. Someone that's had lower back pain that's caused one of your legs to be shorter than the other, and it's just like you've been off. May your back be healed and your legs straighten out in the name of Jesus. Someone's had a stiff neck ever since your car wreck. Today, be healed in the name of Jesus. Someone's had a cyst on the right side of your ovary. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Someone that's had an intestinal blockage, be healed in the name of Jesus. Why, why do we do this in our church? 
because we don't know how to get out of these parking lots, right? And we need signs that point to remind us of a God who calls you his own and loves you. And today's your day to be healed. Today's your day to be free. And at the end of the day, today's the day for you to remember that the one we serve is the one who gave us his spirit. I end it with this. There's a book called The People Could Fly. It's a, a, a collection of African-American folktales that one of the descriptions is of a preacher that was being, that was suffering from some slave masters that the, the slaves had flown away in metaphorical language. And the slave master said, bring the people back. To which he looks at him and he says, you don't understand. When his spirit gets in them, they can never be bound again. And when Jesus died on a cross and rose from a dead, he made available his spirit to come in us. And when you trust in him, you'll never be bound again. Now go be who you are and speak his life to this world.